Hi, and welcome back to another episode of The Gold Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Isabel O'Brien, assistant editor here at Gold, and I am back in the studio with my co-host, Jade Williams. How are you doing today, Jade? Very good. Happy to be back, if not a little bit tired from our escapades last night. Yeah, escapades, we should explain, we were just at a Harry Styles concert uh, with a couple of our colleagues, but lots of fun to be had Not so much fun getting out of the stadium, but it certainly didn't ruin the evening, did it? Precisely. But on to today's episode. What have we got coming up? Well, uh, today we have a really interesting episode, actually. I had the pleasure of talking to Dr. Sunil Verma, who is the Senior Vice President and Global Head of Oncology Medical at AstraZeneca. And today we're going to be listening back to his conversation and hearing all he had to say about the potential evolution of cancer treatments. Now, time to introduce our guest in a bit more detail. In his role as Global Head of Oncology Medical, Sunil works to drive the vision of redefining cancer care, and this is something he's very passionate about. He spent most of his life specialising in cancer care, having worked as a medical oncologist in breast and lung cancer before joining AstraZeneca in 2019. He's a new face in the pharmaceutical industry, but he's already making a big impact. That's right. And I was really interested to hear Sunil's perspectives purely because of what an expert he is on this subject. And it was fantastic to delve into the current and future landscape of cancer care, as well as why oncology needs to focus on personalised medicine to one of my favourite topics, which is the value of medical affairs. Sounds great. Let's get into it. So, Sunil. Welcome to the podcast. It is lovely to have you on today. How are you doing? I'm doing great. We just came back from the ASCO meeting and it was just a remarkable few days meeting with colleagues from around the globe. So really excited and charged to uh, do more for patients and uh, really working alongside our teams. So it's, uh, it's a great time of the year. We love to hear that. So as you mentioned, Oncology is a key focus for you. You've just come back from ASCO. And today we want to talk about the evolution of cancer treatment. That's going to be our key topic. And this is one you're obviously quite uniquely positioned to talk about, given you began your career as a medical oncologist and you are now global head of oncology for the AstraZeneca Medical Division. But before I want to go into the evolution of cancer care, I want to go back to that time when you were a doctor working on the front line with patients and find out about maybe some of the challenges you experienced at that time. What did you think of the treatment paradigms available to patients when you were caring for them? Yeah, no, thank you, Isabel. So I started my oncology career. I was reflecting back and at ASCO. It's been 22 years that I've been going to ASCO. So it was about 20 years ago that I... Um, joined the field of oncology. And it's just been remarkable to see um, how care has transformed across those two decades. We went from an era of really chemotherapy being the mainstay um, to an era of, uh, of incorporating targeted therapies and how we can um, be able to be more specific in targeting cancer cells. Um, and then in the recent um, really frontier has been immuno-oncology for us to harness the immune system to be able to target cancer cells. And more recently, um, what has really opened up is how do we give precision chemotherapy through antibody drug conjugates? So that evolution of moving 
from just one platform of therapies to now multiple different modalities has been quite a remarkable journey and and it's really been an honor to see that however the to answer your questions the challenges that we see in clinical care and the questions that came up um, as i looked after patients were were very similar you know is this the right treatment for me can you tell me if the treatment is working can you tell me with confidence that this is going to be the treatment that's going to be effective for my cancer how is this treatment working and can you actually track that um, are we able to make sure that my patient experience is going to be as good as possible and i think those questions which are more individualized which are more specific to the patient is where i see really the future of our medicines and the future of our efforts to be able to address those questions that patients have in clinical practice in the past and present. Well, yeah, it's interesting that you say there that really the challenges haven't changed that much. Patients want to know what treatment's going to work for them. It's all about personalization at the end of the day. And obviously, personalized medicine is the goal. So you've kind of talked through the different stages of cancer care there, but why do you think personalized medicine is the goal, other than the fact that it solves all these challenges for patients? I think what we have done great um, in oncology and in m- many other therapeutic areas is we have established a clear path um, on what is the level of evidence that is really meaningful um, to incorporate new therapies in general. And I think that era of evidence-based medicines and the, and the focus on ensuring that randomized control trials are done and, and working very closely with regulatory agencies and funding agencies that meaningful therapies based on strong evidence, strong clinical design is incorporated has been, I think, very well launched and very well embraced as a foundation. We have also um, focused in quite um, significantly over the past, I would say, decade in ensuring that predictive tools, whether they're diagnostics um, and diagnostic methodologies are available um, at the point of care to make sure that we have the right biomarker based on the cancer to identify the right therapy. And we continue to build and we continue to evolve that um, um, moving forward. What we need to do now is to go from that evidence-based medicine to that predictive oncology and predictive medicine to now personalized medicine to ensure that we are able to select the right therapy for that individual patient that is sitting in front of us. So how would that occur? Well, that can occur through uh, a few different means. First of all, we need to learn from every single patient that is receiving clinical care right now in different oncology health systems. We are applying our knowledge from clinical trials to those individual patients, but we need to learn from the individual patients. And that's really critical for us to create an environment that creates a learning ecosystem. And then we need to be able to take that information, apply new technology, and this is where I see the power of artificial intelligence and machine learning coming in, to be able to take that data and have data-informed decision-making tools at the point of care for clinical decision-making. And then we are really going to realize the full potential of personalizing care and personalized medicine. If we can learn from every patient, if we can use that data to have those tools available so that we can then 
have confidence and certainty when a clinician and patients are sitting to say, not only is this is what the evidence says, not only this is what we predict based on uh, what the precision diagnostic tools are telling us, but based on the data, based on information, and based on hundreds of thousands of patients who look just like you, here is the right therapy that we think is likely going to work. And I think that can really augment and support the clinical decision-making and also provide certainty and confidence to the patient that the treatment that they're going to receive is going to be the right therapy for them. And on that point about learning from patients, what do you think the best way is to engage patients with a process like this? I think it's a great question, Isabel. At this present point, um, our engagement of the patient tends to occur only during the clinic visit. So as you can imagine, patients are coming to clinical uh, visits every three weeks if they're on a uh, potential chemotherapy or uh, a, a targeted therapy. They may be coming every two months or three months in, in some cases. And in between those visits, in between those clinic visits, we're not getting um, that data uh, really linked into the clinical health systems. How are patients doing on a daily basis? What and how are they tolerating the medicine? What is their experience like? And I think what we need to do is we need to really interconnect the patient journey with the health system. And we need those data points on a regular basis so that we're truly measuring and truly being informed of the patient experience. And that requires digital tools and that can be powered by digital tools, whether they are uh, as simple as patients entering their information or as, as informed as we being able to measure using digital variables so that we are taking that information, we're learning about that patient experience. So when patients come to us on during those clinic visits, we're not just asking Ms. Smith, Ms. Jones, how have the last three weeks been? But we can say, what I can see over the last three weeks is this is what your experience has been. Tell me more about that. And that interplay um, needs to occur much more, much better now than it has in the past. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a case of automating that experience so the patient isn't having to make that effort themselves and then the doctor is able to come in and, and provide that support. Absolutely. Getting the inputs right so you can get the desired output, I suppose, would be would be another way to put it. Obviously, personalized medicine is a hugely exciting prospect and it's very much on the horizon. But what are the limitations and obstacles that could stop this becoming a widespread reality that we all really want it to be? Yeah, no, thanks, Isabel. So let me maybe share as why I think this creates a brand new future state by applying personalized medicine. Then we'll come to what are potential barriers. So the future state that um, I think we envision, I certainly envision, is that we would have a future state where not only will um, the patient have the confidence and certainty that the right drug is, um, is there for them and is personalized for them, but we also are able to then address uh, the complexity of care that we envision over the future, that there's going to be many different treatment options, many different biomarkers, many different potential opportunities. And you can, by applying this approach, you can simplify the treatment decision. As we were uh, discussing previously, you can envision what the patient experience could be on these different therapies. And patients are empowered to select the right therapy for them based on 
you know, what is likely the most effective, but based on also an experience that they think is the right fit for their values and for their expectation. I also feel that there is an opportunity there then for patients to have a much stronger voice in the shared decision-making. At this present time, it is, it's, it's a much more uh, directed um, decision-making process to say, here's the evidence and here's the, the biomarker. But I think if we have more of the democratization of the data, that there would be a patient involvement as well in that shared decision-making. And I think that's a future state that certainly the patients would value and I think we would all benefit from. So if that's the future state, what are you know, potential barriers? I think the barriers that may come in this process is how do we ensure that there are, there's data that can be captured in a timely manner, there's data that can be understood and analyzed in a timely manner, and we're really looking at data points that matter. And in the quest to try and assemble this data, that uh, the bureaucracy that may limit us uh, to be able to do that does not slow down that process. And that bureaucracy exists for patient protection, and the bureaucracy certainly exists for uh, data protection. But there also needs to be a dialogue to say, how can these data points be more informative, more helpful, and really help the patients and the clinicians? So I think that dialogue is really critical. And one can take a look at potential barriers that come along the way, but I think we also need to use that opportunity to highlight the importance of data points so that um, everyone and all the stakeholders involved understand why this is important for us to do this right. The second barriers or second challenge that I um, can anticipate is that we have different ecosystems being, um, being uh, launched in parallel. So we have this technology ecosystem that is looking at the technology of measuring the patient experience. We have this data enterprise ecosystem that is looking at what are the data points. We have uh, a patient uh, engaged ecosystem that is looking at sort of the patient voice. And we have a clinical administrative ecosystem that is looking at how do we use the health records um, to ensure that value and, um, and clinical process workflow is measured. And those all four or five parallel universes are, are, are moving in a very distinct fashion. And that barrier of trying to bring them together at a later stage is going to be much more complex. And I think what we see is that we see uh, an opportunity and uh, a really an ambition to make sure that we start off holding hands and making sure that we start off with a shared ambition in parallel, in unison, collectively and in concert together, right from the get-go, rather than trying to bring this uh, reality um, together at a later stage. So I think that, to me, is a, is a great opportunity for us now, and we are certainly committed to, uh, to participate in bringing together these different um, uh, opportunities and these different tracks together now so that we are much more aligned uh, with the shared ambition rather than trying to um, just have pieces of it come together at a later stage. Hmm, very interesting. I, I get from that, that treatment options are going to become more robust, but at the same time, more complex in a way, because there's going to be so much more available and all the more for healthcare professionals, but also for patients to understand. Medical affairs 
is the arm of the pharmaceutical industry that is designed to make science simple or help people understand the science. So from the challenges you've mentioned, how can medical affairs contribute to solving them, do you think? Yeah, so um, as I shared with you, the evolution of sort of medicine, I think there's an opportune time for evolution of medical affairs as well. We recently uh, wrote a piece on, you know, it's this is the end of an affair and a beginning of the new medical. And and in the past, the the uh, opportunity for um, our colleagues across medical affairs was to see how do we um, simplify uh, the evidence and have those discussions with the clinical community. But I think now we have to think about medical as part of the health ecosystem so that we bring solutions along with our medicines so that we are able to support and reimagine the future of cancer care and a future of personalized medicine. And that's really been our focus within um, AstraZeneca and certainly our focus within the medical organization is that we need to partner more effectively uh, across the health ecosystem to um, help bring better solutions. And those solutions are uh, to make sure that we have integrated diagnostics, that we have integrated um, technology platforms, that we're able to improve the patient experience that we are able to really realize the full potential um, of the data, and that we are able to bring the power of these new efforts to help to enable uh, better and more informed clinical decision-making. So that has really been the evolution that we are driving and striving towards, and I think it's an opportune time for us to be part of the health ecosystem and I think an opportune time for us to evolve ourselves uh, from not just uh, translating and showcasing the evidence, but to also bring these solutions to the table. Absolutely. The value of medical affairs is one of my favorite topics and one that I've discussed at length with many of my guests. So yeah, I couldn't agree more with you on that, Sunil. Something that keeps coming up throughout this conversation is data. And I think data is underpinning personalized medicine hugely. Is this going to be an additional skill that it's going to be crucial for medical affairs members of of time to come? Because it certainly seems that way. Absolutely. You're, you're on point, um, Isabella, and certainly something that we have recognized to say, what are the capabilities that we need to build um, and we need to bring within the organization? So data science, data analytics, uh, data informed discussion. Uh, is a critical aspect of it. And I think it's going to be um, uh, really important uh, for us to ensure that that's in part and parcel of our medical teams, that there isn't a distinct organization that is doing this, but this is part of the skills mapping and training that we uh, ensure are built in. And we have a number of efforts, including our Next Generation Medical Academy, that's really designed uh, to be able to uh, provide those skills and those capabilities across our medical leaders and our medical teams. And along with that um, uh, effort is we need to also ensure that we um, have a way of looking at how do we um, participate in those discussions um, across the health ecosystem. Um, we cannot just think that having uh, an informed discussions of medicines is sufficient. As we were just discussing previously, the complexity 
of those medicines is going to be quite significant. Um, you know, when we take a look at uh, the new modalities which are coming, such as cell therapies, the manufacturing process, the delivery process, the, the bringing those therapies to the clinical um, uh, ecosystem are quite complex. And increasingly, the medical teams have to participate in those solutions and have to look at what are the current challenges in order to really provide value um, in, in those discussions. And I think that's the effort and that's the focus that we need to sort of bring forward uh, within the medical skills and the training and the capability builds. And I wonder what it's like for you to be a leader in medical affairs at a time of such transformation. How do you keep yourself clued up with all the advancements and understanding where the hell all of this is going? Uh, it's a great question. First of all, I took on this uh, opportunity and this role with that mindset. Um, when, uh, you know, after transitioning from the cl uh, clinical and academia career, career to AstraZeneca, for the first two years, I spent those two years in R&D leading our breast cancer program. But then when I looked at the next decade, um, I clearly understood that the next decade is going to be about data, it's going to be about technology, it's going to be about the power of AI, and it's going to be uh, about how do we address the complexity of cancer care. And to me, medical is well positioned to be able to really unravel and provide those solutions and really reimagine what the future of cancer care is going to be. And with that um, interest and with that really uh, goal was the reason why I felt that this is a great opportunity for me to be at the helm, to work alongside our medical teams, to come up and bring those solutions. So a lot of my time is certainly focused on, of course, our evidence generation activities that we do uh, to make sure that we continue to focus on education and continue to focus on transforming the care of today. But a lot of my time is spending time with different partners, different organizations to think about what the future of cancer care is going to look like and how can we bring and participate in and in forming those consortium and collaborations to help to um, simplify and help to create a better um, cancer care paradigm. And I think the future of cancer care paradigm is certainly going to be driven by new therapies, but it's also going to be driven by new technology and new tools uh, that the clinician and the patients are going to need in order for us to make sure those uh, the medicines have the biggest impact possible for patient outcomes. And hopefully medical affairs will be on hand to keep that transition smooth. Now, Sunil, we always like to round off every podcast and I am coming to my last question for you with more of a personal reflection. Um, so today I would like to know two things. Number one, what motivates you each morning? What gets you out of bed? And then secondly, what can keep you up at night? So uh, number one, and I've actually reflected a lot on this. So there's two, there's two drivers. So number one, of course, is to make sure that we do everything we do for better patient outcomes. Um, I have really had the honor to um, help serve thousands of patients. And as I was leaving my clinical practice, um, the patients were sad, as, I was, as was I. Um, and they asked me to say, Dr. Verma, we're sad to see you leave, but promise us one thing, that you will bring better medicines for patients 
like me and for patients to come. So that is certainly my North Star. That is certainly something that I always strive to deliver. And I try to deliver that because days matter, weeks matter. And for our patients' lives, uh, they have this urgency to make sure that we bring those meaningful therapies. And I certainly bring that urgency in the work that we do and in the medicines that we bring forward. So that's my motivation, and there's no better um, a motivator than, than really having the call and having seeing those medicines help patients. What um, keeps me up at night, um, uh, one thing is that um, by the end of the day, I'm generally so exhausted that I don't even have the time to sort of have any thoughts uh, <laughs> to keep me up at night. But, but what, what really um, I, I am looking to create is how do we create this incredible path that we have with this incredible opportunity um, to be able to serve the future of the, what the cancer care is going to look like with the, the need to be able to uh, deliver um, our current ambition. So the state of trying to make sure that we keep up with the current demands while we're building the road track and the roadways of the future. So that balance is, is something that we need to continue to uh, um, make sure that we strive and, and, and create the, um, the right balance. And that's something that, um, that I don't think we have sort of solved for, but some, something that I continue to strive for is that we need to deliver today um, to make sure those patients of today are being served. And we need to make sure that we continue to build the networks and the roadways of the future so that we are on the path to make the seamless of, of the current trajectory more seamless for the care of the future. So that's the right balance that we need to be able to keep. And, and certainly, um, I strive to make sure that our, our teams are engaged, our teams are inspired, and our teams are driven. Um, and, and to make sure that there is some white space in their day-to-day work so that they continue to think about what the future looks like and not be so driven um, with just uh, delivering for what's needed today. So that's, I think, the balance that I need to make sure that I continue to uh, role model and continue to uh, bring forward um, so that they feel inspired by that vision and they still feel uh, that they are able to deliver on that future state as they continue to work um, in delivering on what's needed today. It's a fantastic point, I think. Take care of the here and now whilst being innovative and looking to the future. Sunil, thank you so much for speaking to me today. It's been a pleasure. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for bringing the strong medical voice and, and, and the vision that we have for the future uh, through this podcast. I really appreciated it. Thank you so much. I enjoyed listening back to that conversation so much. Sunil's drive to change the cancer landscape for the better really shone through in that discussion and is just an all-round inspiring interviewee. I have to agree. I especially liked his reply to my question on how the industry can enable patients to share their data to advance personalised medicine. It's clear that we do have some issues right now, but it was great to hear his ideas for potential solutions. Mm, I agree. Well, thank you so much again to Sunil for joining us today and thank you to you for listening. 
Do be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss out on our next episode. But until then, it's goodbye from us. Take care and goodbye for now. Bye.